Hello, we're the 12-Sided Guys. I thought it was just about time. For a witty intro for this D&D show, we'll see if I make it all rhyme. I'm joined by my brother named Matt. He plays Pine using Paladin stats. We also have Scott as Roos, or is it Joff? His reflexes would shame a cat. Jordan's a robot named Ebby, who summons a being that is sexy. Sabrina plays Nari, a fan-favorite darling, who deals damage that always will vex me. I'm Paul, and I fill in the gaps. In our podcast, there's been lots of haps. If you want more insight into this world's plight, become a patron and check out the maps. To you people out there who can hear me, a review or a rating would cheer me. But the best thing to send, just go tell a friend. Your love for us makes me all teary. And if you went questing for runes, as a demon named Legis Remuel, with a robot named Lux, just to save some bucks, well, my friend, then this podcast's for you. Crystal Codex, episode 61, y'all. Yeehaw! Woo! Welcome back to the city of Tabri. Last time we were together, there was a lot of information gathering. Let's see. You guys cleaned up the kegery, stole a bunch of armor and weapons off of some dead people. <clears throat> Finders keepers, dead people losers. <laughs> <laughs> That's the technical term. <laughs> Finders keepers. Well, we learned that term from uh, Librarian Horton way back in the day, too, when Ebby found the Ring of Evasion. All right, so uh, yeah, you guys pried a whole bunch of weapons and armor off of some dead bodies. Um, you cleaned up the, ta- the uh, kegery a little bit, and then you went out and you started asking some questions of some of these people that you have been um, capturing. So uh, we had Roos and Ebby went and talked with Ben, the, um, the member of the cult that had attacked the castle a few episodes back, the one who refused to take the potion because, quote, he didn't want to die. Um, Some information was gleaned there about where they were from, who their leader was. And I believe it ended with um, Roos and Ebby kind of realizing that maybe this was all kind of theater and something else was going on. Maybe it wasn't about inevitability at all. Maybe this group of people who attacked the castle were being used by somebody else. Then we had Nari and Pine go and talk with Mordecai, this street preacher who had been preaching inevitability to the people of Tabori. And the first thing that happened when they entered was this preacher, this prophet, Mordecai, shared a message with Nari and Pine from the angel Iremiel himself. The message said something to the effect of, um, don't bother trying to stop me. Um, Everything that's going to happen will happen. Actually, he did apologize as well in that message for the way that he had treated you guys, uh, saying that he was not himself and that he was driven by basically just a couple of emotions and that now that he was complete, um, that he was now apologizing for the way that he had treated you. But he also said, don't bother coming after him. And if you do, that five will seek you out. And then you let Mordecai go. You um our players had this conversation where they were trying to figure out what was going on they had determined that possibly the kingdom of arkelvi was behind the attack on kira at the castle maybe they had i don't know tricked some people into um into attacking the kingdom of tabori and as you were discussing this suddenly you heard the sound of an airship approaching the city 
As you went out to investigate, you saw this airship land in the river on the south side of the city, which is a very dangerous feat for airships. Um, moving water is um, hard to land in, very dangerous. But this ship, the Angel's Might, landed, managed to anchor itself in the river, and then two figures ferried themselves across the river, landed on the pier, and stepped out of their boat as our uh, as our players were standing on the city wall looking out over this landing and they saw a woman with long hair with spectacles reading a book wearing a like a blue robe as well as this heavily armored figure with a great sword dark armor a fur-lined cloak and they both stepped out and that is where we stopped last time So here we are at Tabory Landing on the south side of the city. Our players are up on the wall. What are you guys going to do as these two figures step out of this dinghy? Pine will look to a constable on the wall and say, Quickly, go to the keggery and find Brinby and his companions. Send for them. Bring them here. Uh, yes, yes, sir. I'm assuming that the gates are closed and everything. Like, it's relatively secure? No, the gates are open. Okay. Yeah. Then we should close the gates before we do that. You guys go to close the gates. The constables actually, um, they start closing the gates as these two figures approach. And then when they see the, go the gates closing, they stop. Let me kind of explain Tabory Landing a little bit. It's this kind of um, almost like a half moon shape of, of land um, between the wall of the city and the river. Um, it is cobblestones. There are some booths and some little shacks set up. There's also a couple of houses out here. Some people have shacks that are kind of like built up against the city wall. Um, what happens oftentimes is that they will close the city gates at night and people might take the ferry across and be stuck outside. So they will sometimes stay here um, outside of the city before um, the morning when the doors open back up and then they're able to go into the city. So there's like little scaffolding sometimes and uh, like uh, little uh, shacks that are that are um, put up against the wall. There's random crates and things from uh, people that have, uh, you know, like shipments that have come in uh, from the south. Um, there are people usually milling about. Right now it's relatively empty for some reason, uh, but you do see these two figures. They start to approach the gate. The gates close and they stop. They look at each other and they start to, it looks like they're talking to each other. Who goes there? What's all this then? <laughs> <laughs> you guys call down from the city wall. Um, the uh, the woman actually turns to look at you, and then she turns back to the figure. She kind of waves at the uh, armored figure, like, "Don't worry, I got this." And she steps forward um, towards you guys on the city wall, and she calls up, "I am High Adjudicator Kippen, and I have business in the city." I would appreciate it if you would let me in. We no longer recognize the power of the Empire, nor adjudicators. What is your business here? We have some companions in the city that we wish to reconvene with. Well, this is awkward. Your companions are gone. They broke some of our laws. We no longer recognize adjudicators, nor the Empire. So you bar your gates to us? We mean no harm. Your colleagues did. Yeah, if you meant no harm, why did your people take the law into their own ha hands? It caused a huge riot and multiple people died. The uh, armored figure steps up next to the woman and puts his hand on her shoulder and then whispers something into her ear. 
And then she nods and she turns back to you and she says, so my companions are dead? Are they captured in prison? Two of them survived. They're in prison. How many dead? Thirteen. Do you not know the number of your companions who you're so eagerly coming to visit? Pine will whisper to Nari, I think they're trying to figure out if they have more allies within the walls that haven't been subdued. Well, yeah, but we don't have to give them the exact number, guys. (laughs) (laughs) We can be a little bit more coy about it. (laughs) And we can do all this in our head because Squire in his high tops is running between us. Well, somebody already said 13. Oh, geez. Yeah, I did say 13. Yeah. She nods. We didn't want it to come to blows. In fact, we tried to settle things peacefully, but they took the law into their own hands. And she nods. She says, as it should be. Tiberi is a sovereign nation that doesn't recognize any authority from the Chow of adjudication. That matters not. The authority is ours. Well, but, but where does that authority come from? The empire is no more. The divine right of judgment has been placed upon the adjudicators. That is where it comes from. Which, which divinity specifically empowered you with that? As you guys are discussing things and, and talking, you know, do you feel like these people follow those deities or do you feel like they take something else into their own hands? Like what's kind of the impression you guys have gotten? I feel like they've become a power unto themselves. Yeah, that's that's the impression I get. Yeah, but I still want to know like what what authority they're claiming. Like if they don't claim the empire, which is what I assume they would claim, then what deity are they trying to vibe with? She calls out, she says, our authority comes from on high. Are you worshippers of Iremil? Not anymore. Iremil failed us. But the right and the power to be a judge to the people here of this world did not fail us. That is still our calling, our divine calling. And High Adjudicator Trippin and myself are here to see that judgment takes place. Wait, their names rhyme? Trippin and Kippin. Trippin and Kippin. (laughs) What's great is actually I was walking and then I was tripping and then to get back up, I was kipping. <laughs> like a kip up. Yeah, like a kip up. <laughs> oh, guys. Well, thanks for making fun of the names I came up with. That's okay. Uh- <laughs> Bruce is going to whisper through Squire. Should we give him the sword and ask them to leave? Absolutely not. What? No. I don't, I don't want to cause trouble. I don't want to have another fight. I think it's unavoidable, although I don't know if it'll come to blows at this moment, but trouble is here. They have no authority. They can't even pretend to have authority. I, the only thing we would be doing was sh- it would be showing weakness on Tabor's part, and I, I don't think we should do that without consulting Kira first, at the very okay. least. So, Roos will step forward and say, I'm the Queen's brother, and you guys are not welcome in the city. I can relay a message to the queen if you'd like, but you are not welcome within the city walls. The, um, the woman, uh, Kippen, looks at the armored figure next to her, turns back to you and says, that matters not. And then the armored figure puts its hand on her shoulder and poof, they both disappear. Fudge sickles. We need to get to Kira right now. Yeah. Um, okie dokie. <laughs> I, I think we we tell the constables to hold the gate and then run. 
Hey, yeah. The gate is closed. Um, yeah, the gate's closed. They're going to be going for their men. Can can we see the um, the the deck of the airship from here and see if they pop back over there for some reason? Make a make an investigation check or a perception check. I'll do perception. Uh, I rolled a three, so that's a six. Hmm. You it's it's distant enough. You do see figures on the ship. You see people like securing rigging and that kind of thing. Um, and you see that there's somebody standing at the uh, at the helm of the ship. Um, you know, kind of directing things, but you don't see that you don't necessarily see them pop up over there or anything. Okay, I'll say, Nari, get to the queen, take crumbles. <laughs> you are just constantly trying to get Nari to go. Nari back. will absolutely jump on crumbles and and ride to the to the keep as fast as possible. <laughs> Amarok, go with her. Okay. And the rest of us, I'm sure, will hurry after, but at a full gallop, crumbles can go 120 feet. Well, and it might even be a good idea. If somebody, I don't know if we want to split the party, but it might not be a bad idea if someone goes and makes sure that she doesn't get her men. Quickly, Roos, ride me. (laughs) (laughs) Like on your shoulders? Evie transforms into a mechanical elk. Oh, that makes more sense. (laughs) Fantastic. I mean, next time, they have these things called saddles. Um, When you transform next time, like, just try to make the cushy spot not, you know, right here no, in the middle. No, no, bareback is the way to go. Quickly. Mount <laughs> <laughs> <challenge> me. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. So you guys are then racing through the streets to get to, um, to get to uh, the tower keep um, to go speak with Kira. All right. As you guys go into the city, wait. Um, point of order. I don't know if Pine got on a mount. I gave my Pine. mount to Nari. <laughs> Pine did not get on a mount. My beekaboo's around somewhere. <laughs> feathers, feathers, feathers. Hey, boy, girl. Hey, girl, boy. I don't. Whatever you are. <laughs> okay. Okay. So here's here's the deal. Nari is riding an Aurora Borealis colored Aelaton with a crystal horn on its nose. Um, (laughs) Roos is riding a majestic robotic elk. And bouncing so uncomfortably. It's not that bad. And (laughs) Pine is riding a giant penguin. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm riding a giant penguin that doesn't know to like trust me yet. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I'm like Napoleon Dynamite at the end of the movie when he's riding that horse and it looks like he's going to fall off. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, hey, you know what? I actually listened to the commentary on that movie. Apparently, right when they when they cut it, he fell off right after that. Like he literally did fall off. I think that's what I <laughs> oh, remember listening awesome. to. Yes. He said yeah, he was out of control on that horse. All right. Yeah, you guys race through the city um and you ma- you managed to get to the castle uh very quickly. When you approach the gates of the castle, you see that the uh, who you can only assume was Ambassador Miro and his contingent is no longer there. And um, when the guards at the castle see you approaching very quickly and recognize who you are, they open the gates right away and let you in, close them right after you. Um, and you, I imagine you dismount and head right up into the tower keep to speak with Kira. All right, as you enter into the Tower Keep, you can see Beatrice is there in the kind of the Great Hall area, the small little um, 
I call it a great hall, but it's the small hall where sometimes Kira will meet with people. Um, but Kira is actually down there as well, speaking with Beatrice about all of the uh, goings on in the city today as you come busting into the castle. And Kira sees you guys come into the into the tower keep as she steps forward. Oh, what is it? Remember all those preparations we were making for uh, adjudicators to come and assuming they were coming by land? Well, they came by airship and then they um, kind of disappeared somewhere in the city. It would have been so nice if we had some lantern system for, you know, one if by land and two if by sea. <laughs> That's ingenious. Uh, she says, so that was their airship that landed in the river? Yes. So they're here. Are they alone? Or do they still have men in the city? They have two men in the city. At least. There might be more. I, I don't remember. I don't know if we ever got an accurate tally of how many there were. I will tell you this, that at one point you did. At one point, Angus told you how many he had counted. Uh, I think it was more than 13. <laughs> yeah, or 15. <laughs> I think that might have only been half of them. There's a force here, potentially. Um, but there are two adjudicators. They call themselves high adjudicators. It's it's trippin' and kippin'. Why don't, as you say that, why don't you make a either a history or a religion check? Anybody who wants to. Ooh. Fine, rolled a 15. Roos got a nat one for a five. Nice. <laughs> now you got a 12. Ebby got a nat 20, but because he has a negative one on his intelligence, he got a 19. As um as you guys, uh, the two who got a 15 or above, which would be Pine and Evie, <laughs> with your natural 20, which is actually 19, that's hilarious. You guys, uh, you hear the term high adjudicator and you have never heard that term before, um, but you recognize high adjudicator is not a historical title in the, uh, in the empire at all. You've never heard it before ever. Um, and that's, that's what I'll give you with your history checks. Sounds like they think themselves more important than they used to be. Giving themselves fancy titles like High Adjudicator. With nothing to back it up. No empire. It doesn't even seem like much of a deity. Sounds like they have an army, or at least dedicated soldiers. And who knows how powerful those two are. They used magic and the one looks pretty scary in all that armor. It looks like the one who used the spell was actually the one in the armor. Well, crap. Well, if, if they didn't come here... Wait... Where do you think they would have gone? Well, what are they after? They're after that sword. Where's the sword? It's on Nari's back. I, I, I got it. Apparently this sword's important for them to continue to expand their power. They need it in order to assign more adjudicators. They also need Nari's axe. Well, they don't know that, so we'll be quiet about that one. I don't think... If they can trace the sword... They might still be able to trace the axe, even if it's if it looks different. Can we get a soundbite of uh, Sabrina just saying, and my axe? <laughs> <laughs> they weren't able to necessarily trace the sword. I mean, they, they figured it out because obviously Angus was involved. But I agree, if it, if it needs to be hidden someplace, I'm open. I'm open to finding a safer place for it. Well, I don't like the idea of giving in to anybody coming into this city and demanding things of us. But what would happen if we did just give them the sword? That's what I said. Nari is going to loudly snort and roll her eyes, but not say anything. Well, I guess it, it, it depends. 
It depends. Is this a force that we'd want to ally ourselves with or at least be on positive terms with? Or are you afraid that working with them or conceding to them would make you look less a ruler? Beatrice steps up and puts her hand on Kira's shoulder and says, they did kill a citizen of our city. And Kira says, well, and that must not go unpunished. And that's, that's just the worst of it. There was also wrongful imprisonment and there was confiscation of, of goods not belonging to them. Again, with no legal authority within the city. And that is the worst of it, in my opinion, is that they come in here and they expect us to follow. They are acting as if they are the empire again, just with a different name coming in here and telling us what to do and how to live. And I won't have it. Well, I guess that's our answer then. That's how you feel, Kira. Um, and we'll support you in that. More than how she feels, it's, it's what must be if we want Tabory to be the independent nation that it is. Well, where are they? How do we find them? How do we find them? I mean, they'll, they'll stand out. She's wearing a blue robe, looking super cute in her glasses with a book. And he has a um, very scary armor fur cloak look to him as well. So, oh, I'm assuming it's a him. Is Trippin, is Trippin a boy's name? <laughs> She's right. If they, can, if they can disappear, they might be able to disguise their looks. That's true as well. I think one thing that will give them away is... At least with all of the uh, the bailiffs that we that we've come across so far, they have a a grand sense of their purpose, and subterfuge really wasn't their strong point. Should we do something about the airship that's off the coast? Should we try to, I don't know, at least do something to make sure it doesn't take flight again? Kira says that sounds like a a good plan. We. We can't let them get away to come back later with more numbers. All right. So I think we have our target. Okay. So they have disappeared probably somewhere within the city to gather what forces numbers we don't know, but probably are still here in the city. And we're going to go take their means of escape. No, no, no. I think we should just have maybe the constabulary around that area. I don't know, like, shoot fire arrows at the spaceship? Like, I don't know, do something to make sure that it doesn't the airship. What space? (laughs) (laughs) The final frontier. I'm having flashbacks of the the big whale from Final Fantasy 2 slash 4. Yes. I'm just saying that maybe we should try to either disable their, their means of escape not by us specifically, but by the constabulary, or at least get their means of escape to be inhospitable for them to return to. Well, if the crew of this airship is anything like the bailiffs we've already encountered, I don't know if the constabulary will be enough. Constabulary is probably only CR1 or 2, and those guys are at least CR5. The constabulary, I believe, is CR like one quarter. <laughs> uh, 11 hit points. Um, yeah, AC 16, but 11 hit points. Yeah. I'm sorry, Kira. This all seems to be happening at the same time. And, and, and I understand that the, 
The ambassador from Arkelville also wants to meet, and we haven't had a chance to meet with him. I am afraid that we are surrounded on all sides by people who wish us ill. And uh, I think you're right. We can't show weakness, but at the same time, we can't leave ourselves open, protecting ourselves from, from one and leave ourselves open to the attacks of another. What do you recommend, Ambassador? Do we meet with Miro right now? No. Well, no. Hmm. I don't think even if we meet with him, he would leave the city. And he does have a contingent of guards. Is there a way that we could put them, I don't want to say house arrest, but just isolate them somewhere that they can't do damage? What if we offer a meeting with Kira if they support us? No, they tried to murder the queen. You think that was them? Yeah. Hmm. It was Arkelvy. I, in my gut, I know that it was King Tenor that orchestrated this whole thing. There was too much, too much theatrics about everything. So, Roos, you feel like there are two different groups that are, that are making a mess here in the city at the same time? I don't know that these adjudicators want anything to do with you in particular. They just want this sword. Perhaps the axe, if they know that it's here. Um, they also but, want the life of Angus. Let's be clear. Yeah, they probably want the life of Angus. The whole other mess was was orchestrated by King Tenor. I think that's a whole separate issue, not related. We must pick our battles. Which which should we approach first? Or should we wait for somebody else to make the first move? Hebby, what would wolves do? Well... <sighs> I don't, I, I'm not one on strategy like this. <laughs> what I would like to tell you is we should burn their airship to the ground with the crew still on it and kill these adjudicators here and now. I think them and their ilk are nothing but a cancer and a blight on this world. Kira says, I would really rather not burn that airship. If it were at all possible to, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, steal in a nice way <laughs> like to confiscate Civil forfeiture we remember the word <laughs> yes. Civil commandeer yes. if we could commandeer the airship that would help tabery immensely we do not have anything uh does she know about your guys's airship i don't know mm. did Kier, did uh nari ever talk about it I mean, um, again, unless if we specifically discuss something should be kept secret, Nari might have, Nari probably would have mentioned it. She knows, uh, she knows you guys have an airship then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she, she would know that we had it, we had an airship that is now with the free peoples of Alil. Yeah. So she knows that there is potential access, but she says, Tabri has had no air support at all. Having a ship, an airship would be such a boon. I would highly Highly recommend we not burn it. Then the question is, how can we get the crew off of it? If we can wait till nightfall, we may be able to sneak over under cover of darkness. What's the moon like tonight? I think they'll make their move before then. I I feel like the more important threat is the two people who could disappear at any moment. And the DM rolling <laughs> Oh, uh, it's a waning <laughs> gibbous moon tonight. Oh, okay, waning gibbous. Okay, so okay. considerable light tonight. So maybe a, unless it's cloudy, we won't have darkness on our side. I'm worried about the constables. If if these two adjudicators went to go and free their man, there might be bloodshed already over there. Mm. 
And I am still worried about the, uh, the ambassador for Markelvy. I, I think, again, if there are two sides, both have made moves already. We just have to decide which is the most pressing. I will alert the constabulary to keep their eyes open for these two adjudicators and um, to not intervene. I'm sure that there is no chance the constabulary would be able to stop them, but to watch them and to maybe report back to where they are. That way we can track them. We need to take Angus into protective custody as well. Hide his location. Of course. Yes, I think that's a wise idea. And she turns to one of the constables or to one of the guards there in the room and says, quick, go to the kegery, grab the barkeep and bring him here. And he salutes and runs out the door. So if they're coming somewhere, they're probably coming here because the sword is here, as is the man that they wanted to uh, judge for the, uh, the riot five years ago. Where would the best place to fight these people be? I know we might not be able to choose when it happens, but if we can choose where it happens and give ourselves an advantage, that might help immensely. Outside the city would be ideal. Too much collateral damage already. I must keep my people safe. And another battle. Three in just two days. It's just, it's, it, it can't happen. Well, there's an option here. We can take Angus. And we can take the sword, and we can leave Tabori. I Do you think that Tabori will be left alone, even if we do that? All evidence points to the bailiffs seeking the sword and seeking Angus. Whether they would take somebody else's leverage, I don't know. I, I, I think that, and I could be wrong, I think that Tabori may be doomed if we were to pull out. I think that they would pass judgment on the entire city, and I think that they would try to wipe out the entirety of it. Now, I am biased. I don't exactly, you know, have much faith in the humanity of these individuals, but I wouldn't put it past them. What if we went for the airship right now? We make the first move. We decide how it happens. I think that would definitely surprise them. Kira, can we get um, those mercenaries you hired, you know, Tiny and Hebo and Bri Briok? Could we get them here to beef up your, your defenses if we were to go do that? I would, I would really appreciate that. I, I thank you for thinking of me at this time. When it is you, and she points to Nari with the sword on her back, you who carries what they're after. But thank you. Also, what will we do about Urkelby, which is obviously waiting at the gates for any weakness. One problem at a time. I agree, brother. I think it's too dangerous to let them in even for a conversation, even just one of them in for a conversation at this point. We'll let them stew longer. They're staying at the Stone Horseman, I know that much. Okay, I guess we're, are we, we're going to go take an airship. Let's go steal an airship. Wow. <laughs> Not what I expected to do today. <laughs> all right you guys go back out of the castle i need to know kind of what you guys are doing are you guys just walking through the city are you guys riding your mounts are you guys what, what are you doing i think at this point we'd be going as fast as possible right are we heading straight there like to the docks just get on the dinghy and then sail like row toward that boat i think we would go in 
they're like at least straight to the top. So like, do we need to stop someplace else? I'm just worried that if we show up in a tiny rowboat and at their large ship and we're not who they're expecting, they may open fire. Well, perhaps there's a way around it. Um, perhaps something kind of like this. And Abby's going to use his Eldritch Invocation um, of Disguise Self and try to see if he can shape change to look like the heavily armored uh, Trippin individual. Easy enough. Whoa. Hey, well, I, I, I've got this makeup kit. Let's see if I can work something up, too. And I will make myself look like Kippen. <laughs> Very good. And Dari will take that pin and just kind of put it in her forehead. Oh, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Literally. So, Roos, how's your impression of Kippen? Did you hear her long enough to kind of come up with her voice? Or... And does this sound enough like her? <clears throat> oh my god, it's, it's uncanny. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, so I guess that what this means now here, I guess I'll be a prisoner. Sure, why not? Hey, give me this. Well, yeah, you, you carry the sword. Well, no, Nari, who, 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 which one of you would carry the sword then? I can do that. Yeah. And then Nari and I will be prisoners, I guess. But that also means we, I, I don't think that Trippin talks much, at least not that I've observed. So that means that you, Roos, will be the face here. That's great. I wonder, <laughs> is it possible perhaps that we could use our, our disguises and just get them to vacate the airship? Tell them that we need all men, all hands on deck to infiltrate the city to find the, you know, the targets of the adjudication or whatever. We, we can try. Um... Most of our plans just fall through right when we get up, up to it, so it'll probably turn into a bloodbath pretty quick here. Except for the handsome Squidward one. So, Abby, be ready. That's true. Speaking of that, perhaps we should prepare a little bit before we do this. I mean, we haven't seen Squidward for a minute. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's possible he might want to make an appearance. Who knows? I like this idea. I like how it's formulating. Let's Let's get going, then. How long does it take to kind of change spells? I need a long rest, don't I? Oh, crap. I think you do. That's eight hours. Kind of lose the element of surprise. I, I think we just got to go with what we've got right now. Yes, I think you're right. All right, cuff me. <laughs> the only cuffs you have are left over from what you pulled out of Ember's <laughs> room, and they're, they're pink with, with feathers on them. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> So I'll attempt as best I can to hide my sword within my jacket so I still have it, but not uh, immediately visible. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, so we'll have to make a deception check if that becomes an issue. Okay. All right. You head down to Tabory Landing, the southernmost part of the city. Um, as you approach the gate, the constables look at you and they lower their spears and they say, Ambassador, we'll rescue you. And they come rushing towards... Wait, no, no, um, no, no, no. Hey, <laughs> shh. No, it's okay. This is the plan. They're friends. This isn't really those guys. Uh, they look a little confused, and then they they nod, and one of them comes over and, and kind of whispers in your ear, Pine and says, If you're under duress, tap your foot three times. And then he steps back. Roos taps his foot three times. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen that show, Punked? That's what we're doing here. Just, it's a punk thing. They look confused, and they look wary. Pine will, like, 
show that he's not really tied up. He just kind of has ropes around his wrists. Like, hey, no, see, like, I'm okay. We're going to take an airship. Oh, Ambassador, if you need anything, just, just call. We'll, we'll get there as soon as we can. And Do you have any healing open. potions? <laughs> <laughs> More than anything, Dude. don't let anyone from the city come to us on the airship. Hey, we chatted with Gerard. We got tons of healing potions. Oh, that's right. I'm because when I when I rolled my hit dice for my short rest, I only got 19 hit points back. So I'm still almost 20 hit points down. They have no healing potions. Well, <laughs> I guess we'll see what happens. <laughs> All right. You uh, go through the gates and you are now at the landing and you can see the dinghy that they had uh, rowed up that you can see it um, still tied off to the pier. Uh, people are moving around out here. Um, they are, um, uh, there's people like hawking their wares and things like that. Somebody's selling some apples or actually it wouldn't be apples, they're out of season. Um, somebody's selling, I don't know, what's in season in the spring? Honey, flowers, stuff like that. Leftover turnips from the winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's some food and things. Garlic. Sure. Um, Early and, grilled tomatoes. Uh, baby chicks. Somebody's like, hey, it's chicken season. You know, go to Wilco <laughs> and get your chicks. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I keep getting ads for chicks from Wilco. And my kids keep saying, we need to get chicks. And we say, no. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Um, yes, yeah, so there is the dinghy. All right. Toss me roughly into the dinghy. Make it look good. As as you wish, R- Russell kind of push him, and I'll and I'll be like, whoa! I'm falling. <laughs> <laughs> all right, why don't you make a deception check with advantage? You guys are all helping each other, and there is some distance. So, um, Pine, since you did it, I need you to make the the roll. All right, I got a with advantage. I got a twenty three. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, it looks pretty convincing. Um, and then you guys load up this dinghy. So, so oh, wait. So we've got um, we've got. And make sure I got this straight. Roos is Kippen, the the woman adjudicator. Yes. Ebby is Trippin, the adjudicator who's all in the armor. Pine is the um the prisoner. What's Nari doing? I think Nari was also like just a prisoner. Was the idea? Cool. Okay. All right. So then you guys all get in this dinghy and start to row across towards this ship that is anchored out in the river. Um, as you approach, why don't you guys make, um, perception checks? Woo, Pine World a 22. Ebby got a 15. Roos got a 25. <laughs> Nari rolled a 12. Fantastic. Um, so you guys are like totally scoping this, uh, this ship out as you guys row up. And it's not hard to see that the people in the rigging and the people who are like lashing ropes and moving around and calling out to other sailors that these, these are sailors. Um, you see, um, Roos, you see, Roos and Pine with your guys over 20. You see on the deck, you do see one obvious bailiff. Uh, who has um, tattoos on his face that you've seen before, like a tower motif is tattooed on a cheek. Um, but that is the only, um, like, obviously um, bailiff or member of the adjudicatorium tower of judgment that you see on the ship. And as you approach, actually, you hear somebody call out, they're, they're back. And then they drop a rope ladder over the side. After you, Kippen. But he, no, you're kipping. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. After you tripping. 
<laughs> Actually, Pine Pine will go up first as if like they're forcing the prisoner on deck first. Okay. Uh Pine, when you get up on deck, your your perception check was a 22. We'll let you keep that perception. Um Pine, you see a bunch of sailors kind of moving around and you see one bailiff um standing there with a tattoo on his cheek and um Pine with your 22 perception. I demand you... to see my lawyer. <laughs> Where's my phone call? I get one phone call. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Pine, as you step up on the deck, you look towards the back of the ship where the helm is. And you see a figure, the captain of this ship. It is tall, female, long hair, caracal ears. Shut up. No. Oh no. Oh, Pine. Why you got so much drama going on? You see your daughter, Sanya. Little kitten. She is far enough away that she can't hear you unless you call. The ship is probably about 70 or 80 feet long. It's big. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you and you guys actually I should have explained the airship a little bit better as you guys actually have had some experience with airships now and Pine you've been on ships this ship is a warship like this is an airship that was built for battle more than mm-hmm. likely this was an imperial airship um, back when the empire still existed yeah okay oh geez so um, it's a big ship and she is standing at the helm and um, she has not noticed you yet Okay. Um, I just rolled a wisdom save to see if I went running and broke our cover, and I rolled a natural 20 for a 27. So I'm going to continue the charade. Nari just like elbows you in the side real hard. Ooh, oh, ow. Hey, you're a prisoner too. Why are you hurting me? <laughs> 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 All right, this tattooed bailiff starts to approach you, Pine and Nari, as. Kippen and Trippin um, climb up the ladder from behind, or at least the people who look like Kippen and Trippin. And um, the bailiff, uh, as he approaches, he says, Hi, adjudicators. That was so much faster than we had expected. But where are our allies? Where are where are our brethren? Are they still in the city? Uh, Ebi is going to lean over and whisper into Roos, Roos's ear, and like put a hand on Roos's shoulder, trying to mimic the the actions that he saw Trippin do with Kippen before. And whispering into Roos's ear will say, I think you're the one that plays the voice. Okay, Roos will nod and say, they're still in the city, but they'll be about shortly. We did lose some men in the city though. And we were successful very fast. You're right. I need you to make a deception check. How good is Roos at changing his voice? Does this does the spell change the voice at all, or is it just appearance? It doesn't. It's just appearance. But I am okay. I I am more skilled in deception than I am um, some of my other abilities. Yeah, yeah, perfect. I, I want you to make a deception check. I was gonna have you do it with disadvantage, but because you literally look like her, I will let you do a straight roll of deception. Oh no, I got an eleven. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that does not beat passive perception. Hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll a psionic die. Okay. I'm going to have Squire see if he can help me out a little bit. It changed it to a 15. Oh, still not so great. So close. Uh-huh. 
passive perception is a 16. As you open your mouth and start to talk, instantly this guy's sword is in his hand and we are going to roll initiative. Oh no. Oh my god, I just rolled a one for initiative for a two. So, (sighs) there's that. Okay, uh, we're just going to just kind of uh, ballpark this. It's not that big of a deal. Did we Um, go to a place that you didn't have a map? (laughs) Don't say that on the recording. I'm always prepared. (laughs) (laughs) You have maps for cities that we're never going to visit and you don't have the deck of a ship. Um, To be fair, I tried to make the deck of a ship and... um, I love Dungeon Alchemist, but I could not make a ship on Dungeon Alchemist. I did not get back around to Dungeon Draft. So here is what we've got. We have got a tattooed bailiff who is about, I don't know, five feet from each of you. As um, we roll initiative, he gets a whopping 10. Pine rolled a whopping 18. Yeah, Ebby got a 13. Bruce got an eight. Okay, and Nari got a? Nari got a two, which is classic. Yes. <laughs> okay, perfect. All right. And did you want to roll for Amarok too? Oh, yeah. Let me do that. I totally forgot. Amarok. Ooh. Amarok got a 15. Cool. We have on the deck of this ship, we have sailors in the rigging. We have um, Pines eldest, no wait, Pine's only daughter. Yeah, but also eldest child. Oh, Pine's eldest child um, at the helm of the ship. And rushing towards our heroes, we have this bailiff with tattoos on his face, ready to strike down those who would pretend to be his superiors, but Pine gets to go first. So Pine will, quick as lightning, draw his sword from under his jacket and take uh, two strikes at this bailiff. Okay. The first is a only a 13. That's going to miss. And the second is only a 9. That will miss as well. <sighs> One day this is going to change, right? Ebby, <laughs> <laughs> it's your turn. You are rolling a d20, right? It's not a d10. <laughs> yeah, it's a d20. <laughs> I have done that before, rolling d8s on accident to roll for the d20. I'm like, why am I rolling so low? All right. <laughs> Um, here's what I'm going to do. I am going to do conjure animals. Okay. And I'm going to, uh, let's do, uh, let's do Phobos and Deimos. Okay. I mean, why not? They're fan favorites. They are, they fan, are fan favorites. favorites. Suddenly on the deck of the ship are these two horse-sized wolves snarling and biting and snapping and they get to roll their own initiative, right? They do. And their initiative roll is oh, oh uh, 16. Okay, so then they will get to go. So it's just going to be an ebby chunk. They don't get to go this turn because you already missed their turn. That's they fine. will go and then Amarok will go and then you will go. Cool. Sounds good. All right. So they show up. Anything else that uh, Ebby's going to do? Um, I think I'm trying to see if there's anything from a bonus action standpoint that would make sense. Uh, I think at this point, 
No, I think we'll hold off on anything else. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. Um, hex is a bonus action, right? Uh, yeah, I guess. Well, let me let me look. No, at I'm, that not, one. I'm, not, I'm not saying you're gonna hex him. It's his turn. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it is. It is yeah. a it is a bonus action. Yeah. Um, Nari, this tattooed bailiff casts hex on you. He points his sword at you. Suddenly, you feel kind of this um, this drain to your strength as he then rushes in and attacks you twice. I just need to know, Nari, do you have full hit points right now? I do, yes. Oh, you are lucky then. Two attacks. Uh, one is a 12, but the other is a natural 20, which means you are going to get hit for um, 2d6 worth of greatsword plus an extra d6 of fire, all doubled plus three. So here we go. 22, 24 damage. 12 of that is fire damage. I don't love that. Okay, but that is his whole turn. Roost, it's your turn. I'm gonna try something. I'm going to, uh, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna cast Charm Person on him. Oh, okay. And a DC 14 whiz save. He has magic resistance as well, so it didn't matter. He was gonna have advantage anyway, and he okay. rolled a natural 18. Okay. So he is not charmed by you at all. This is one of those true believers that has the tattoos on his face and is um, snarling to strike down these these uh, non-believers, I guess. Okay. Well, hey, is that your whole turn? Then I will bonus action disengage from him and, and step um, away. Okay. All right. Uh, Nari, it's your turn. Okay, Nari is going to swing with her axe. That is a... Oh my god. It's a 15 to hit. That will barely miss. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, and then she will swing again with a 20 to hit. That will hit. Okay, perfect. So that does... 12 damage, and then she is also going to uh, basically just try to disarm him, so he needs to make a 15 or higher uh, DC throw. Uh, is that strength? Yes. Yeah, it's strength. Uh, yeah, he, um, he rolled a 12, and cool. so he actually, uh, you disarm him. And she also does an extra six damage. Yeah, okay, awesome. Uh, you disarm him and then his sword uh, flies out of his hand. It is now on the ground between the two of you. Um, what would you like to do? I think she's actually gonna use her action surge and just go for it again, because we're, okay. we're on a boat. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, so 14 to hit, doesn't hit. And then a 20 to hit again, does hit. Yep. So that will do an extra 11 damage. Nice. Okay. Pine, it's your turn. Back up to the top of the round. Okay, so seeing um, seeing this guy's sword on the ground, Pine is going to kick it away. Um, maybe even off the ship, yeah. Okay, over the edge of the ship. Yep, just it's gone. Yep, sword is gone. And then I'm gonna take two attacks against him. Okay. The first is another nine. The second is a 22, though. 
Okay, perfect. That'll hit. Uh, for 12 uh, damage. Okay. Hey, I'm just going to throw it out there, Pine. If you just kicked a flame tongue so- sword off this ship, I'm going to be very sad. <laughs> well, we had we <laughs> we fought these to, guys to be before. Fair, you already have three of them, three of this exact same sword up in your uh, up yeah. in your uh, your house, and 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 also okay. it seems like it's more of a magical effect um, that he has as opposed to his sword having it. Okay. Yeah, Paul didn't fair mention enough. any of those great swords being magical. So okay, <laughs> yeah. So I'm just kicking it off. It's gone. But yeah, so I, twelve damage, and that is my whole turn. Perfect. Bobos and Demos. Woohoo! Um, they're just gonna rush on in like the good pups that they are, and go ahead and have some attacks on on this this boy with advantage. With advantage. All right. So Phobos, uh, thirteen for his first, and then let's see, twenty-two with advantage. That hits, and that will do twelve bite damage. Oh and my god! He needs to make a DC thirteen strength save or get knocked prone. Uh, he, he is now prone. Oh my god! <laughs> Good deal. Right. You guys are a lot easier when there's only one of them. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Demos, uh, an eight, and then with advantage, a twenty-two. Also, yep. For the boys, good boys, fourteen damage. Okay. All right. And just like that. Cue victory music. (laughs) (laughs) This uh, tattooed bailiff drops as uh, Phobos and Demos finish him off. Have a snack. (laughs) Basically. Uh, Yeah, his sword goes over the edge. He looks like he's ready to, to do like to fight with his fists if he has to, maybe cast a spell or something. Um, But Phobos and Demos leap in, taking the advantage, knock him down and just maul him. Um, We are going to exit initiative as you stand on the deck of this ship. Sailors are scrambling to get away, climbing up in the rigging, hiding down inside the belly of the ship as the captain of this ship sees what has just happened, comes marching over and calls out, uh, what does she call it? What's all this then? <laughs> Ruth says, this one has been judged, I think. Hi, she Daddy. Says, she says, what the hell is going on on my ship? And then Pine, she sees you. And she says, father. Little kitten. I looked for you. What are you doing here? I will drop my sword and I will walk to her. You see that she is armored. Um, she, um, the clothes that she's wearing, they look nice. They actually look like an imperial officer's uniform, minus like 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 modified, kind of like how you have your jacket that was your old Menorese military jacket. Yeah. She has an imperial jacket that is modified as well. Like the buttons have been replaced, the braids have been switched out, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, very similar to pine, only a different color. Okay. I will approach her with my hands empty. My cane's on the ground too, next to my sword. Sonia. What, what are you doing here? Well, this was my home. I'm, I'm protecting it from usurpers. 
She nods. These... These adjudicators? Causing trouble? Don't, don't you know? Are you not with them? I am hired by them. Hmm. But I am not with them. But they do pay me. And... You're an honorable woman. You are an enemy to my charge. What should I do with you, father? Who's come onto my ship and killed someone under my protection. As Phobos and Demos are still snacking on this guy. <laughs> Wasn't me. <laughs> I did not expect to see you here. I I expected to come take the ship and remove their, their means of escape. I cannot let that happen. Frankly, you're not in a position to take control in this situation. And then Ebby's going to raise his voice to the rest of the crew and say, This ship has been officially commandeered by the Kingdom of Tabori on orders of Her Majesty the Queen. At that, Sanya draws her sword and says, over my dead body. Damn. Kitten. Surely you can see that you don't have the upper hand here. And surely you can see you taught me well enough to know that that does not matter. If your charge is breaking the law, would that also make you a criminal? It depends on whose law you speak of. You are in the kingdom of Tabori, and they are taking the law into their own hands and disregarding the laws of this land. They are criminals in Tabori. What have the adjudicators done so far that has broken the law? They took over an establishment, they killed a civilian, and their organization has been trying to take the law into their own hands and ignoring Queen Kira, who is, is the rightful ruler of this land. She says, wow, they did a lot in the 10 minutes since we landed. Are there, the actions of their men not reflective of them? I landed in this river and I dropped off two people under my charge. I must say, actually, that was very skillful flying. I'm very impressed. So she's like 50 at this point. Um, and she says, I've been doing this a long time. That you have, yes. Was that you in the skies, perchance, uh, five years ago, flying in one of the crazy storms we had? Dropping off an acolyte and a crate with some yeah. tech in it? Yes, that was me. Hmm. For our listeners, yes, that was her dropping off the bishop that attacked um, our party at the end of chapter two. Man. I don't know what to say. We're at an impasse here. And I don't want them to, I don't want them to hurt you. Father, I recommend you get off my ship. That's not going to happen. Phobos, Demos, and I'm going to kind of, I'm not going to sick him on her, 
but I'm going to try to intimidate a little bit. And maybe to give him assistance on this, I'm going to say they did break a law. We told them not to enter the city and that they, they did not have permission based on the actions of their men. And we said that we would relay a message to Queen Kira and they disregarded this and they entered the city unlawfully. This is my ship. And she draws her saber. And that is where we're going to end for tonight. Jeez. Thank you for giving me a chance to think about how to talk to my estranged (laughs) daughter. (laughs) What was it? Who was? Oh, I know. Thilo. Didn't he say like family's weird? Yep. (laughs) And it happens again. Remember when I found my last Imperial child and it was like, hey, dad, the Empire's wrong. And I'm like, I know. (laughs) (laughs) That was so much easier. They sure are, son. So, you know, Matt and I, we've talked a little bit about his kids um, in in coming up with some backstory. And, you know, um, real quick, uh, I don't know how much um, we need to go into, but basically the way that I see it, Pine's two children who kind of followed in his footsteps, um, one becoming a lawyer and one becoming uh, this soldier, The they both took aspects of Pine and they really took them to heart. Where um, Sanya, the older one, really took on the um, the the aspect of like honor, right, and of um, duty. Um, whereas uh, Temra Junior took on the aspect of kind of doing what's right um, and and following your conscience. And so they both are following in their father's footsteps, but they both kind of chose two different sets of footprints to follow, if that makes any sense. Anyway, I thought that was really cool. But here we have Sanya Pine's daughter with a drawn sword ready to defend her airship. Jeez Louise. You gotta stop having kids that are just (laughs) causing emotional damage. (laughs) To be fair, this is the last one. (laughs) Emotional damage. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, I love that guy. Honestly, honestly, um, like that's just... Just part of having kids, man. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, sorry for uh, making this daughter of yours uh, into a, a bit of a, a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I Pine is reacting how he would react. I don't, I didn't think it was going to work with Sanya, especially the way we left things in my episode zero. I was the jerk then. Well, you're on her ship. Hey, um, any thoughts about this situation? Like for how we're planning? No, like in about like anything come to mind or anything? Maybe from like, I don't know, um episode like forty five or something like that. Forty forty three somewhere around there. Maybe I don't know, like a certain soothsayer, maybe <gasps> is needlework. This, is this the cat with wings and the cowering cat? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, you put me right in this position. I, this, Paul and I didn't talk I, about this at all. No, I, I don't want you to think that it is, but this is, this is all Paul's masterful DMing. Wow. I'm glad that we're still recording so this can all be saved for, for posterity. Yes, this is one of those ones that I'm very proud of that it actually played out because a lot of them don't. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's what's so cool about prophecy, though. Like, that's so fun. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's cool. <laughs> so here, here's the deal, guys. Just so you know, it really was even way back in episode, I think, 21 during that vignette, the angels might 
Um, that was the ship that dropped off the bishop. And I did specifically say in that vignette that the acolyte was was talking. He was like thinking about the um, the skill of the pilot of of her skill. So, yes, this has been Sanya the whole time, just so you know. And when I said that she's in the Imperial Army, she's a captain, I I meant like a captain of like, I was assuming infantry, troop, like a captain of troop, not a captain of airships. Armored That's airships. funny because I, I made the connection that she was the captain of the ship back when in episode 21 when you said that. Damn. Oh, okay. really? Yeah. Oh, no. I always just assumed that she was like, like Pine, that she was like a, like a people leader, not a, not a ship captain. Interesting. Same. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's good. All right. Well, very good. Hey, guys, thanks for playing. That was fun. If you like what we're doing, leave us a rating and a, re- a review. Go tell your friends and family. Check out our Patreon. I haven't mentioned this before or for a while, but if you do become a patron, we have a little gift for you. It's pretty great. And until we see you next time, we hope you have a great time.